Welcome to Talking Facts, and thank you for tuning in to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts, a podcast collaboration between the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center and the UK College of Agriculture, Food and Environment's Cooperative Extension Service. We will share with you the latest developments in cancer prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and research from the experts at Markey Cancer Center, Kentucky's only National Cancer Institute designated cancer center. Talking Facts is hosted by the UK Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining us once again, Dr. Emily Marsinkowski, a surgical oncologist with the UK Marquee Cancer Center. Welcome. Thank you. So today's topic is one that I honestly had not previously heard of and didn't have much background information on at all, but it's one that I think that our listeners will find interesting and also just kind of broaden their knowledge in terms of our subject matter today is oncofertility. And I'm just going to start by asking, what is the definition of oncofertility? So with some cancer treatments and some non-cancer treatments, it can impact the patient's overall ability to have children in the future or their fertility. So what oncofertility is, is using different methods to help preserve that fertility before they go on and have treatment that could injure their um, ability to make sperm or eggs. And is this true for just specific types of cancer or just in general, any cancer patient? In general, any cancer patient is a candidate for an oncofertility consultation. Some cancer treatments affect a patient's fertility, and some do not. The vast majority will have some kind of impact on the patient's fertility, though. And in general, who is considered a candidate just to have the discussion about oncofertility? Really any patient. Um, we tend to focus on men at any, at any age, and this includes from birth to elder adulthood, because men can and continue to produce viable right. sperm throughout their entire lifetime. For women, we tend to focus on patients that are 40 and under, though some patients with that are in their early 40s still do preserve or have some fertility remaining and are interested. So it's a female and you're still having periods into your uh, later adulthood, it's it's worth a conversation. And children again at you know starting at age zero. Honestly, that and it was just when you said that just a minute ago about, about children that that was not something that I had previously in the thought process of thinking about our conversation today, even thought about kiddos and the and the need to be to be thinking about their fertility going into the future. I can't imagine how quickly these conversations have to happen because I assume it's fairly shortly after a cancer diagnosis. Correct. Our goal is once the time of consultation, we see that patient within 24 to 48 hours. It really should be at diagnosis. These are things that we need to, as clinicians start to think about which is, I'm certain, a lot for the patient to really process. What type of options are there available for patients? It's easy to, I think, split them up into males versus females. So for postpubescent males, so males that have undergone puberty, there is something as simple as uh, semen cryopreservation or freezing sperm. Some males are not able to produce a specimen, and that's when we start thinking about things like testicular biopsy to see if we can identify sperm within the testicular biopsy. For prepubescent males, there is some new interest in 
testicular cryopreservation and stem cell therapy for these patients in the future. For prepubescent women, the current only option that we have is ovarian tissue cryopreservation, where a portion of the ovary is taken, it is preserved or frozen, and then gets reimplanted into the female after cancer therapy or in the future. The thought behind this experimental therapy is that it will continue to function as a normal ovary. So then their, their fertility would be preserved. For post-pubescent females, so females who have undergone puberty, namely they've started their periods, there are an array of options. One option is just like for the prepubescent females, the ovarian tissue cryopreservation. There's also a drug called Lupron, um, which essentially is pushing them into a menopausal state. And so the thought is that you're not losing those follicles. Follicles are what the eggs are grown in and then released, and that's, that's ovulation. That therapy has been used in women to prevent premature ovarian failure and has shown success, but that doesn't necessarily equal fertility. So currently, that option is still considered experimental as well, egg freezing or harvesting and embryo cryopreservation. So that would be an option for a patient who has a partner or uses a donor sperm. So I I will tell you, all this is just fascinating to me about just what is truly available through science. And I imagine that all of these are very costly procedures. Is this something that insurance typically covers? I'm sure it's different by insurance providers, or is this something that a patient is considering as an out-of-pocket expense? It is different by state and different by insurance provider. So currently there are I can't remember how many states, but there are several states that require insurance companies to provide for infertility treatments for X amount of months. For example, in California, where I trained, it was three months that they were required to pay for or at least cover some portion of the fertility. In this state, it is not covered. So it is on the patient. Now, some things are covered under an experimental protocol. And then whenever we use the Lupron, for example, it's covered under insurance because we're not only using it for fertility, we're using it for premature ovarian failure. So that's a proven recognized therapy. So that is covered. It can be costly. There are financial counselors that can counsel with patients. And then we've worked with some providers who offer it at a discounted rate because it is considered a, you know, fertility preservation rather than simply an infertility treatment. Dr. Marcinkowski, thank you for joining us today and just bringing awareness and knowledge so that I think it's so important for individuals just to be aware of resources and options that are available to us out there. I know I've learned a tremendous amount from our conversation, and I hope our listeners do as well. Thank you. Yes, it's if you look at the studies, young adolescents, young adults with cancer, one of the biggest regrets that they have is not having addressed their fertility. That, to me, is the biggest takeaway of anything that you've said, because it's not something that had ever crossed my mind before. I could think of as a female of childbearing age that that would be at the top of my list. But for one of my kiddos, that's not something that that I think would have been my immediate thought, concern. It would just be about hoping to get them well, but definitely something that individuals should be thinking about. Yep. And that's that's our concern, getting them well too, but we also right. know that they're we want them to have a, a future that they can achieve the things right. that they're Definitely they getting achieve. them well is always the top right. concern. Right. Always right. the top concern, but also planning for their future too. Yes. Again, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts. 
Our goal is to connect you with the latest advances in cancer research in the Commonwealth. If you enjoyed today's podcast and have a suggestion for a future show topic, please message us on the UK Markey Cancer Center Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash UK Markey or visit our website at markey.uky.edu for more information. You can find University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension programs at your local Extension office or online at fcs.uky.edu. Building strong families, building Kentucky. It starts with us.